Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From The Standard in London, I'm the Evening Standard's Chief Theatre Critic, Nick Curtis. This is a cut-down special taken from our theatre podcast. To hear more from The Standard Theatre Podcast, hit the link in the notes of this episode. Welcome back to The Standard Theatre Podcast. Next up, Macbeth of the Donmar. I haven't seen this but Nick and Nancy, is this a winner I see before me or does something <laughs> wicked this way come? Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. You want to go first? Well, I mean, okay, so let's tell you what it is. It's Macbeth. Yeah. yeah, it's Macbeth. You know about Macbeth. You know how that works. But the uh, the conceit this time at the Donmar, which is a very small theatre, about 300 seats, which I think is a good thing for Macbeth, yeah. um, means you wear headphones throughout with binaural sound. I don't know if that's how you say it. You, and you get, you know, a little bit of extra kind of sound effects like flapping ravens, which I admit, Nick, they may have gone a bit overboard with. <laughs> it means that you hear their kind of interior monologues a lot more closely. So that's it. But you are wearing headphones watching people in a theatre. Um, I really liked it, actually. Mm. You did not, did I, you? I was not smitten by it, largely because of the technology. I admired David Tennant hugely. I think this is the best I've seen him doing Shakespeare. He, you know, he routinely comes back to the theatre to do Shakespeare, not always the easy ones. You know, he did, did not always the big hits. He did do a very, you know, credible Hamlet. Um, but he also did Richard II, which, you know, is a bit more of a an ask for an audience. Um, mm. Macbeth should really have been great, and he was great at it, but I found the tech a distraction and a distancing. You know, it had a sort of distancing, chilling effect. Quite often I, f- I took the headphones off and just listened to it, and he was... He and Chris Jumbo were speaking conversationally, or they were sometimes whispering. And actually listening to them whispering in a theatre was extraordinary, particularly because there was a level of quietness, I think, from the audience that you don't normally get because everyone was wearing headphones and concentrating more. But fed through the headphones, a whisper is as loud as a shout, and uh, I didn't really feel I was getting inside their heads. I felt their thoughts were being broadcast to me, and it didn't really work for me. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, I can see how it might be annoying. Uh, I admit that. Quite early on, I did have the feeling that I was watching TV. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like it was quite an interesting... A sort of broadly successful conceit. I also think, and I think you agree with this, that it's really cool that they tried something different. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they didn't have to. They could have just done a straight Macbeth, and it would have sold just as many tickets. Yes, and it has. Um, it has sold out. It sold out. You yeah, know, way before, long before it opened because it's such a small theatre and because it's David Tennant and Chris Jumbo and you know it's, it opens right after he went back to being Doctor Who or yeah, yeah, exactly. he was going Briefly, back into yeah, being exactly. Doctor Who uh, so you know it was always it was always going to sell out and yes agreed I mean Max Webster I think is a, who's the director is a very interesting you know creative force and yeah. somebody who does bring new ideas to projects and I think this was 
even without the technology, this would have been quite a successful, uh, an innovative Macbeth. It's staged on a very um, plain set, basically a, a sort of raised dais, which stands as a banqueting table or a battlefield or, you know, a, a sort of platform on which the Macbeths are crowned. Behind it, there's this sort of clear window from which the rest of the cast watch the action when they're not on stage as a sort of chorus. And there is an implication that, you know, various things are sort of diced around different characters, you know, different characters are, are allocated different roles. In this, not for the first time, um, Lady Macbeth becomes the person who warns Lady Macduff mm. that her husband is about to have her, you know, that Macbeth is about to have her killed. That, I thought, was a very powerful moment. I thought a lot of it was 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 really interestingly staged. Um, well, you've mentioned David Tennant. How's Kush Jumbo? Well, I mean, I, the thing about the miking, right, is which is, of course, unintentional, is that I think it starkly highlights how minimal a role it is, Lady yeah. Macbeth. Like, she's meant to be one of the great female roles in Shakespeare, but actually she's an interesting role, but line by line, she's not actually a particularly big or good one. And this time that really struck me, how little she appears, and in fact how little of her interior life we get, because you you know, you know, get all of like Macbeth kind of like whispering to himself and talking about, you know, and thinking. But it, it, it made me realise or sort of crystallise for me the fact that in Shakespeare, you do not get women's interior lives unless they are thinking about love. That's the only thing. And so I felt like Cush Jumbo didn't quite have enough to do, yeah. weirdly. Yeah. Like, you know, you're kind of the headphone experience. You were separated from her charisma. Um, and I, I miss. I think it was. That. I mean, it's possible it wasn't a very good performance. But I've seen her do Hamlet. I've seen her do yeah. Mark Antony. I've seen her do Josephine Baker. I'm reluctant to think that actually she sort of screwed up Lady Macbeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I just feel like she wasn't able to be as exciting as she could have been because of the way that the production was put together. I agree. There was that lovely quote from Judy Dench. I think that Macbeth is her favourite play because it's an hour and fifty. You know, you're done. No interval. Pub. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so there is a sort of th- there is a sort of thesis that that you can't screw up Macbeth, and you, and you know that it's a surefire hit. It's you know it's propulsive. It's linear. You know it's got spooky stuff in it as well as you know lots and lots of violence and and you know lots of lots you of can really powerful cover emotion. the stage in blood as uh, as was. Uh, happened with Jamie Lloyd's yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed but, I, but to be back. honest I've, I've actually seen I've seen quite a lot of Macbeth mm. I feel like it's the Shakespeare play I've seen the most yeah but I've not very rarely seen one I liked. But it's interesting how how you know the 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 roles can uh, land very differently. Yeah. So the Ray Fiennes India Ravama version, which is is coming to London mm. later on, which I saw up in Liverpool, she comes across much more strongly, Lady Macbeth, in that in India Ravama's performance, and it was actually Fiennes's that I felt was sort of low key and lacking in mm. charisma or or you know sort of force in that. Similarly, um, Yael Farber's production at uh, the Almeida a few years back, which managed the only thing of making. <laughs> Uh, Macbeth longer than <laughs> <laughs> it usually is. You know, usually praise of the shortest play and she managed to well, run it to about three years. A two-hour leer and a yeah, three-and-a-half-hour Macbeth. It's Macbeth. true, it's What's true. But, uh, but that had Sir Ronan in it as, yeah. as, uh, as Lady Macbeth. Yeah. And that, the whole production seemed to revolve around her. You know, she was this lone, slight, blonde figure and uh, with Irish-accented figure amidst all these very powerful... Scottish men. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I love Chris Jumbra as, as an actor, and uh, I, her performance didn't really land for me here either. No, it's true. And I think, just a quick word on the design, I think that dressing her in white is a bit of a bum note. It's quite mm. a weird thing to do in this context. Like, if you're going to dress someone in white, and the only person in white, yeah. like just one figure in the whole thing, 
and then have them commit a bloody crime. You can't keep the damn thing pristine all the way through, and they yeah. do, and it's really weird. And it just it put me in mind of that Kenneth Branagh Macbeth that was at the Manchester International Festival. I think it was in 2013. Um, and it was in it was in a deconsecrated church, and the aisle of the church, which is sort of where they went up and down, was lined or coated with I think it was peat. Mm. Everything just got muddier and muddier, and everyone just got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, and it kind of reflected the sort of progressive defilement of the Macbeths and their minds and their morality, and it worked really, really well. But I noticed over the course of the play that she didn't get dirty in this bloody white dress or not bloody white dress Um, and it really bothered me I was like I don't really understand what the point of that was yeah yeah. I thought that was a really odd design choice because, you know, it's like the Chekhov's gun of design, yes. isn't it? It's like <laughs> you're going to stick someone in a white dress, you've got to do something with it. It's true, it's true. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Just to return briefly to the whole sound design thing, which was the the, the main sort of innovation in yeah, the production totally. and the main thing that it revolved around. I'm not opposed to this per se. I, you know, the, the, the time I've seen this technology applied to its best was uh, the Complicity show at the Barbican. The Encounter, yeah, the yeah, encounter, yeah, the encounter which was yeah. Simon McBurney on his own, where you did feel he was confiding in you and you could feel his voice moving around, you know, yeah. from ear to ear and stuff. And there was I another show, sorry to interrupt, yeah. there was another show, Anna, at the National Theatre, yeah. where they were behind a glass box and That's you right. listened through headphones. Yes, mm. yeah. I, I just didn't feel it sort of added anything to Shakespeare here. And I, I saw a, a post by uh, Mark Ravenhill, the playwright on X this week, where mm. he said, I'm just reading it out now, part of the dynamic of a play is the voice in space, the difference of the voice in profile turned upstage, played out front. Miked plays flatten the dynamic and disempower the actor. I'm not interested in seeing any miked plays in 2024. True, but I engaged with him about this this yeah. morning, actually, oh, yeah. on Twitter. And I, and I said, what do you think? Because he was discussing it with Matthew um, Zia as well, the director, yeah. uh, who will be directing a show actually later this season at the Donmar. And I was asking them what they thought about, you know, when you do it, this sort of experimentation. And he was saying, actually, he's not really talking about that. He thinks this kind of experimentation is good. Yeah. Actually, he's talking about mic'd up straight plays. Uh, so yes. people talking... And, and actually, I, we were saying, I can't really remember one having seen one that is in a, a normal space 
like which hasn't been mic'd up for yeah. ages and ages and ages. Mm. I don't really I understand mean, why. I take his point and I take the distinction between that, you know, yeah. normal plays and experimentation. But you know, that was part of what was lost for me was the dynamic of the sure. voice in space yeah, yeah, yeah. and the and the sort of the need to listen in when someone is whispering or, yeah. or, or confiding in you. The fact that you know, if they're if they're basically shouting in your ear about their yeah, yeah, innermost thoughts, it, it does it did have a blunting <clears throat> effect for me. It's it was still worth it for me to see David Tennant and yeah. Chris Jumbo on stage together, even though Lady Macbeth didn't land as, as as soundly as I'd have liked. I did believe in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Know, and, and that isn't always the case with the Macbeths. So, you know, it's one of the one of Mike Longhurst's last um, productions before he leaves as director of the Don Mar, and I think you have to call it a success, you know, yeah, commercial and artistic. Definitely. And also, I think, you know, the, a mistake that so many people make with Macbeth, and one of the reasons why I very rarely like it, is that they think it's an epic, and it's not. Yeah. It's a domestic scale psychological thriller. Yeah. And so, having it like this, I think it, it served that side of it really, really well. The only other Macbeth I've really absolutely adored was one I saw many, many years ago at the pit at the Barbican, which again was a tiny space. And I just feel like, you know, just because there's a battle in it doesn't mean you have to do it on a, on the Olivier stage, you know. Yeah. I just want to add a couple of things, which is that I don't understand why they kept in the porter scene. No. At all. I don't no. think it adds anything. <laughs> and the updating with contemporary jokes was deeply unfunny. Absolutely Well, dire. that's already been done last year, wasn't yeah. it, with um, Stuart Lee? Yes. Yeah. Rewrote it. It's just interminable. You just have to sort of sit there and kind of put up with it while yeah. it's happening, and then eventually it stops. And I it's think all it's weirdly panto style, isn't it? There's yeah, a lot it's of core really response not stuff good. with the audience and a lot of, you know, sort of yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. insulting just the audience. doesn't work. I mean, just because it was done in December it doesn't mean you have to yeah exactly it doesn't mean you have to into a panto the The other thing is the witches Mm. I would say like the witches is an interesting one because you never see them you just have the you just have the sound you just have the voices Um, did I miss them I felt like I felt like the concept of them was not resolved by not seeing them I felt like they just didn't know what to do with them to introduce the idea that they may be in his head Aren't they? Surely, sure, but it doesn't really well, it doesn't so. really work because later on you then yeah. have people kind of writhing around on the stage, yes. and you're not sure whether they're the witches or not. Yeah, but early absolutely. on, you don't have them there, and you just have the sound. And I don't think it works because it doesn't hang together. Yeah. you know, it's better than trying too hard, yes. which is like you know, let's make them children, let's make them Spanish, let's mm, make them yeah. you know whatever. Yeah. But when actually all you need to do is just make them kind of mean old women with nothing to lose. Yeah. But yeah, it, again, I don't. It never. Nobody's ever got it quite right. I don't think. That's The Standard. You can hear the full episode or more from The Standard Theatre podcast via the link in the show notes. The podcast will be back on Monday at 4pm. 